So as I mentioned in that prayer time, you probably noticed on your bulletin that uh, my sermon doesn't line up with what's on your bulletin. <laughs> and that's because Dave was scheduled to preach this Sunday and I knew he was sick, but uh, we thought he was going to get better. So I threw together for you a Cracker Jack sermon. I just, uh, I know I just get, but I did write it a uh, little last minute. And that's, I wanted to make that point because there's going to be no scripture verses or points on slideshow because I had just the nature of being so last minute. I didn't have a chance to put those together. So I pray you have your Bibles with you. And because uh, we will be following along in those, you can uh, turn them on on your phone or grab the one that's in front of you in your seat. And we are going to jump out of the book of Acts, because I didn't want to disrupt our order and steal Dave's uh, passages that I allotted to him. Uh, so I jumped into the book of Jonah, and we're going to be talking about escaping today. And I have a question for you. By a show of hands, how many of you ever ran away from home when you were growing up? Oh, there's a number of you. Okay. Well, now I know who's going under church discipline. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. That's a joke. <laughs> I ran away when I was younger. Um, I don't know what it was. My mom was at work and I probably had a fight with one of my siblings. And I said, you know, forget this. So I threw on my rollerblades and I rollerbladed away, which probably looked really dramatic. And I went all the way to my Oma's house and my Oma welcomed me with open arms. She gave me cookie and tea because she she always gave us tea, even at a young age, and then she sent me home. Um, so the moral of that story is if you're going to run away, don't go to your grandma's house. She just, she makes you feel safe, and then she puts you right back in that situation. So, uh, but we, but even if you've never ran away before when you were growing up, you probably locked yourself in the closet or into your room, or you hid away in different areas of your house because you were escaping from something. And that's funny how young this this uh, fight-or-flight mentality starts in us as kids. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today, how we're all escapers in some form, shape, or form, and we're going to analyze that and hold ourselves against the perfect mirror of Scripture. And we're going to accomplish this by looking at just a few verses in the book of Jonah and how Jonah was a runaway and that we at times in our lives are also runaways as well. So let's read our three verses today, and then we'll break them down in just a moment. Again, they're not going to be on the screen for you. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amadi, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it, to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. I love the book of Jonah because the book of Jonah is like the story of Noah in the ark. Everybody at least has heard this story. Either you're a Christian, you're raised in church or not, you've probably heard of the story of Jonah. He was the guy that you probably heard it as, the man who was swallowed by a whale. But he was a guy who was swallowed by a big fish for his disobedience to God. And Jonah was a master escaper. He was living to escape. He was a runaway and he was actually an escape artist and he was running from, he was escaping from God Almighty. And some of us here today are also master escapers. We're elusive. And that's what I want you to do today. I want you to look at your life in light of today's message. And I want you to see where you're still running from God, where you're still trying to escape 
from God. There's an amazing story by John Bunyan. He also wrote Pilgrim's Progress, what you probably know about, but he, pro- he also wrote a book called Holy War. And this, this whole book is about this uh, place called Mansoul. And Mansoul is enslaved to Diablos, the devil. And then El Shaddai sends his son to come and save them. And he saves them and he rescues them. But some of them, the book says, are still blindly waging war against El Shaddai's son, against Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Where are we still blindly waging war against Christ? Where are we still escaping from where he's asking us to surrender to him. Because escaping for us can mean a couple different things. One way to describe it is doing the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. And I don't think you can ever do the wrong thing for the right reasons. I don't think that's possible. But some some of you are turning to things in your life that are destroying your families, that are destroying yourself, and maybe destroying your relationships or your career. You're escaping through a vice, through a sin, And you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. You're going to something that's wrong because it makes you feel good, but that is the wrong reason. But the the, the way I want to define it today is escaping can also mean, mean doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. There are good things that you can do, that I can do, that are good and noble on the surface, but you're doing them all for the wrong reason. You're doing it to avoid issues in your life. There's a pain point inside of your heart that you're running from. And I want you to look at the evidence today. I want you to see things that we do in our culture that we try to escape. And then I want you to think about if any of these ring true for you. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a list. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's some of them that I threw down that I thought, hey, this is how our culture nowadays is a form of escape for us. So the first one that I could think of, and I'm not thinking like this, 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 we all can fall into these and that's Netflix, Disney Plus, YouTube, Crave, whatever the, all those streaming platforms are, just binge watching streaming platforms like there's no tomorrow, no tomorrow because TV has changed, right? My brothers and sisters and I, we were the remote control when we were growing up. We had to get up and turn the channel and, and, but, but it's not even network TV anymore. You used to have to plan what you wanted to watch. You had to be home at a certain time to make sure you didn't miss Survivor unless you were lucky enough to have a dad like mine who Jimmy rigged a v, VHS to record things on schedule and it was always over the wedding tape but um it uh he we could watch at a later time but now you don't miss anything you don't miss anything it's impossible it's all available to you online you can go on any of these streaming platforms you can throw on on an episode and you finish one episode and it gives you like three seconds and it's right into the next episode you're like well i might as well watch this one too it started and then before you know it it's 1 a.m in the morning and you've wasted all your time. And some of you are binge watching entire seasons at once. And don't hear me wrong. Binge watching is not always a bad thing. If that's how you and your spouse or you and your family or just you yourself have decided, hey, this is why I'm going to relax this weekend. I'm going to schedule this in. Okay, that's a different story. But some of you know that it's gotten out of control, that this is a crutch in your life. Because these platforms are great, but they can also become great time wasters. They waste our time and they're a form of escape, escaping from our responsibilities, from your family, issues, or even chores. I'll do that. I'll finish that in a moment. I'll finish. I'll, after this episode, I'll finish that. One pastor said that, uh, that these, form, these things are forms of showing us that we have more time to pray than we actually say we do. 
Another form of escape is drugs and alcohol. This is a growing concern in our country, and this is a growing concern in our community. There's definitely an alcohol issue, and I'm not just talking about social drinks or a glass of wine or beer with supper, whatever. I'm talking about not being able to get through an evening without pouring yourself a drink or a tall drink or a couple drinks. It's not just one glass, but it's a couple glasses. And if you're really honest, you're doing this because there's pain in your life. There's pain beneath that that you're trying to mask and you're escaping it. Some of you don't know why you're even doing this. You just know that you can't stop drinking. You can't get to bedtime without having a glass. You can't get through a weekend without getting high. It's become a crutch and it's a form of escapism. Another one is video games. You're thinking, well, that's just a teenage problem. (laughs) No, it's not. Many adults are escaping into virtual realities to neglect themselves, their families, and their responsibilities because they can't deal with the reality they live in. And I've watched it destroy lives and families. Again, these things in moderation are okay, but in excess, it's escapism. It's running from something, and it's sin. The next one is a major one that destroys families every day here in Canada, and it's more prevalent and common in this church than many of us would like to admit, and that's pornography. The challenge in our culture is the things that used to be hard to get, that were challenging to get, you actually had to get up and go and buy something, are now just a click away in your pocket are accessible at any moment and any time of the day. And some of you, you started young. You weren't looking for it, but it found you. And now you're addicted. And now it's in a form of escape when life gets hard. And it's not just a guy issue. It's a growing issue in women as well. The most recent research I could find, and that's about five to six years old, it says 64% of Christian men watch pornography monthly, and about 30% of Christian women watch it monthly. That's some significant stats. And it's a significant form of escapism that is right in our pocket. That is a major temptation for many people. Another one is social media. Again, these are not bad. Social media is a good thing, but in excess it is. Some of you are addicted to it. Some of you can't get off your phones. You're always staring down. The chiropractor's constantly breaking your neck to get back up. And, and, and you check your social media accounts. You put the phone back down. In two minutes, you're like, I wonder if anything changed. And you're shaking until you get that dopamine rush to go check your social media again. Oh, I got another like. Okay, good. I can go on with my day. And then again, and it's a constant habit. We're addicted to social media. We're addicted to our phones. And we're we're not paying attention to anyone in the room but your phone. Social media is a powerful tool. I'll be the first to say and we should embrace it and we should use it and we shouldn't reject it. But it's also a great time waster. Again, it's another sign that we have more time to pray and read our Bible than we say we do. We escape into social media and we try to pretty up our lives, make our lives look more fancy and appealing than they actually are. And then we compare our lives to other people who are doing the same thing. And then we get depressed because our lives are dull at best and they have a better looking husband than I do. Right? We start to compare. Social media has made us more connected than we've ever been in any generation. But at the same time, we're more connected than we ever have been disconnected, unconnected. We can know everything at once by a click of a button, by one simple Google search. We can talk with anyone in the world at any time. But we're missing the connections that God has placed right before us. 
the connections that can hold us accountable, the connections that can spur us on. Another one is workaholism. This is one I got to watch because it's easy to fall into this one when you love what you do. When you love what you do, it's easy to work. You can use work as an escape from your family, right? You know it's coming to five o'clock and your kids are going to be screaming. There's going to be dishes in the sink. It's just going to be World War III when you walk through that door. So it becomes a little easier to spend five more minutes at the office, 10 more minutes at the office, another hour at the office, and you're escaping from your home life. Another one is hobbies. Hobbies are great. And I encourage you all to have hobbies. But if you're the dad who's always on the golf course or you're the dad who's always in the garage or you're the mom who's always doing X, Y, or Z because you're too busy, you're trying to busy yourself not to deal with problems that you know are there. Another one is food. This is a big one. We live in a culture of abundance here in Canada. Food is everywhere. And most in the Western world can afford more than they actually need or at least we take more than what we need. In the brain, I've been reading on the brain uh, uh, recently, and the brain is hardwired to uh, reward certain historical behaviors that have been passed down to us from generations past. For example, for thousands of years, the world, humanity, has lived in a culture of scarcity and not in abundance like we do. So our brain is wired for when we get sugar, when we get salt, when we get fat, when we get any type of dense calorie in one place, all the award centers start firing off in our brain going, hey, do that again. That's really good. Keep doing that. But if you only have a little bit, like say you're living in the 16th century England and you only get something sweet or meat once in a while, your brain goes, hey, do that again. That's good. You need that. But you don't have the chance to because you don't have it. You might not be able to do it for a couple months. But now we live in the Western world in Canada where we can just walk down to a variety store, to a grocery store. We can grab anything our heart wants and we can eat it. And now the problem in our world has become obesity because we're drowning our problems in food. We're running to food. Life is hard. I can't deal with this. So I'm just going to eat that other bag of chips. I'm just going to munch this down. It's a real issue. Another one is relationships. This could be romantic relationships or friendships. But many of us use relationships to serve a certain purpose. And that's to fill the void that's in our hearts, this emptiness that we're feeling. And as soon as that relationship is dried up and they're no longer serving you, what do you do? You kick them to the curb and you go find someone else. And you suck them dry and you kick them to the curb because they're no longer serving your purposes. And the last one, and we could add many, many more to this, and you would be thinking, whew, he didn't hit mine. Uh, <laughs> that's what I want you to do. I want you to think of yours. But this last one might surprise you, and that's volunteering. Volunteering is good, and I love, I am delighted that I think we have tallied up, what, 45 volunteers, in, 46 volunteers in this church. That's amazing. We have an amazing church of volunteering, and I'm so proud of that. But sometimes volunteering can also become an issue. If you're volunteering for everything and you're never home, that's a problem. We love having you. Don't get me wrong, but go home, (laughs) right? Like go spend some time with your family or by yourself or something. Signing up for something new is like being a workaholic. There's something in your life that you're just trying to busy yourself up so much that you just don't want to think about it because you don't want to change. So this is a short list, and there's many areas that we could add to. We could just keep going through many, many examples. But the fundamental reason why we run and escape is because we don't want to deal with the hard things in our life. We are running, and it's unhealthy. And I, too, am guilty of this. We all are. 
if we're being honest. We have all learned to be professional escape artists in our little areas, be it TV, be it reading, be it eating, be it cutting our lawns, be it working in the garage, or, or reorganizing the closet for the third time this week. We have all learned to be escape artists, and we learn to do it well. So here's my question for you. What are you running from? What are you running from? Because we're all escapers. We're all runners. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't touch drugs anymore. I don't drink anymore. I haven't looked at pornography for months. But the problem is, is that you didn't deal with the problem. You just ran to another form of escape. You're not looking at porn anymore, but now you're in the office for three, four hours longer than you need to be. Or you've reorganized your closet, your linen closet, 17 times this week. You're not dealing with the issues when you stop one form of escapism and pick up another. You can't replace vice with vice. You can't replace sin with sin. You, can't, you have to replace a vice with a virtue. Or you'll just constantly be in this cycle on this never-ending treadmill of escaping. So what are you running from? Because escaping does a few things. And the first thing it tries to accomplish is it tries to medicate pain. If there is unresolved pain anywhere in your life, be it from your childhood, from your past, from your present, or the negative thoughts that you say about yourself every day, escaping tries to medicate these pains. It could be the pain of marriage that has fallen apart, or the loss of someone who is close to you, a loved one, or losing a job, or even not getting the job that you wanted. Because sometimes what you didn't get can be just as painful as something that came your way. So what are you escaping from? Because escaping is a form of self-medication. It's like if you stub your toe, what do we do? We grab some ice and we throw it on. Well, I dance around and try not to swear, but uh, then I grab ice and I try to ice it. But we hurt our hearts. We hurt our, when we hurt our hearts or we hurt our souls or our life, what do we do? We know what to do when we have a sore back, but what do we do when our heart hurts? What do we do when our soul hurts? And our natural instinct as survivors is to try to medicate it. So we turn to escapes like alcohol, but we turn to escapes like staying too late at work or going to the gym every moment of every day or watching TV till our brains are numb because we don't know what to do. Escaping meditates pain and it's a false medication. And what will happen with false medications is that you'll never deal with the real issue. It's like if you shot me today and I took an Advil to deal with it, that's, I might not feel pain, but I'm bleeding out, right? It's a false medication. You'll just switch escapes with another. The second thing we see that escape is, is that escaping also avoids issues. There's a thing that you don't want to deal with in your life, and some of you know what it is. It's that thing that you know you can't bring up with your spouse, or it's going to be World War III. It's that thing that you can't talk to your kids about because you know it's going to be an issue. It's that subject that can't be brought up at work because it's going to be a can of ugly worms. It's, it's that pain that's inside of you. It's that issue. And you say, well, I'm not going there, so I'm just going to go step in the garage. I'm just going to go do this. I'm just going to go run to that because I don't want to deal with it. And thirdly, we see that escaping is disobedience. You here who consider yourselves Christians, you know what God wants you to do. And you're saying, no way, no way. And he's like, Yahweh. Okay, I'm glad you got that. Okay. (laughs) That was horrible. And (laughs) And sometimes God is calling you to do something with your life. Maybe he's telling you to move locations. Maybe he's telling you to go somewhere. And you're saying, no way. 
Or maybe he's telling you to deal with something in your life. Maybe he's like, every time you come to the church, you're just a jerk to other Christians. Hey, every time you come into the church, you just criticize all the decisions that are being made. Every time you come in, you offer all these suggestions, but you never offer how you can help. And he's telling you, he's pinpointing these areas of sin in your life. And you're going, I can't hear you, Lord. I'm too busy. Some of your running is just straight out disobedience to God. And so with that, we see that in Jonah. Jonah was being disobedient to God. Jonah is an escaper from God. It says in verses 1 to 2, it talks about the Lord of God coming to Jonah because he was a prophet. And he says, arise, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against them because their evil has come up before me. And Nineveh was an evil city. It It wasn't an easy place to go. You don't have to do much reading in history to realize the horrors of this place. It was a global superpower at its time. And Nineveh was considered the murder capital. It was Grand Prairie. It was a horrible place to go. And uh, the city of bloodshed was their slogan, per se. It was a lawless place, but I don't want to spend all the detail on that. But the Ninevites were also going down into Israel, where Jonah was from. And he was. they were hurting these Israelites, and they were abusing them and even killing them. And now God tells Jonah, hey, go to these people, the ones who have killed maybe your family, abused your family, imprisoned your family. Go to them and pronounce my judgment on them. And you might be thinking, like I am, because I love revenge. And like, oh, I get to enact God's judgment on the people who have hurt me? Yes, Lord, sign me up. I'm going. But is that was that Jonah's response? No, he ran. God said, get up and go. And Jonah got up and went. He went the other way, right? Jonah uh, verse 3 says, he arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa to a shipping place to go to Tarshish. He paid the fare so he could escape the presence of the Lord. It's like Jonah didn't really think this through. All he knew is that he didn't want to do what God told him to do. So he's like, I know Joppa has a shipping port. I know I can sail as far as I can to Tarshish. I'm just going, no questions asked. And us living in Canada might not really understand how ludicrous this trip was. So look at this map for a moment. It's really interesting. So none of us up there here, I think I might have a laser. So none of us up here, right? Oh, you can't see that. But in between that arrow in Nineveh is Israel. And then he traveled down to Joppa rather than just a hop and a skip, 550 miles to, uh, uh, to uh, Nineveh. He jumps on a ship, travels 2,500 miles to Tarshish by boat. That's inserted because Tarshish was considered at this time the furthest place you could travel. Nobody in this time knew a further place. You've got to remember, they still were thinking the earth was flat. And I'm not just talking about your uncle on YouTube who still thinks that. These people actually believed it. And he was trying to leave. He was essentially disappearing. He got up and did the exact opposite that God asked him to do because he was an escape artist. And if you're being honest with yourself, you would, you would confess that we all have a little Jonah in us. I have a little Jonah in me, and you have a little Jonah in you. But here's what the book of Jonah reminds us. That no matter how far you run, you can't escape yourself. When Jonah jumped on the ship to sail to Tarshish, guess who was there with him? He was. I know this is profound. Every time you run and you try to escape, guess who's there with you? You are. 
Every time you stay late at the office to avoid problems, every time you drink too much, every time you watch pornography, every time you spend all that time in the garage or reorganizing the kitchen for the 30th time, guess who's there with you? You are. You can't escape you. You go with you wherever you go. No matter how far you run, you can't escape you. And your escapism actually provides no escape at all. It doesn't make it better. And some of you feel that. You know you're running. You know you're trying to escape and it's not helping and you're tired because running is tiring because there's no new change. No matter how many vacations you try to mask it with, no matter how much money you spend to try to fill that void, how many times you change jobs or change locations or friend groups, you are still there and the same problems are still with you at the end of the day. Sure, the grass is greener on the other side, but that's because those people know how to water their lawns. They don't just run away right when they see a patch of brown on their grass. They get out the hose, they get out the sprinklers, and they water it, they maintenance it. You need to learn how to water your own grass. Deal with your issues and not run from them. We all know that person who just switches jobs, switches locations, or burns through friends constantly. And they always say the same thing. Oh, this church, I thought this church was going to be different than the last church. I thought this pastor was going to be different from the last pastor. He's not, by the way. I thought this friend group was going to be different than that friend group. But what's the common denominator in all that? You. They're bringing the issues in and they're not dealing with their issues. They're just using other people to mask their pain. Your escapism provides no escape. And some of you, on top of all the escaping, you're also running from God. You know God has called you to something, and you're refusing. You say, no, I'd rather just sit in the back row, slide in. I I don't care if you sit in the back row, but I'd rather just slide in and not lean in at all. I'd rather be elusive. I'd rather not engage in the issues that God is calling me to engage. I'd rather not read my Bible too sincerely because I think I know what it says and I don't like what it says because I know I'll have to change. I'm going to get involved, but I'm not going to get involved too seriously because I'm afraid if I go too deep, if I pray too much, that he's going to ask me to change stuff that I don't want to change. He's going to ask me to open the doors that I've nailed shut. So I'm going to keep this relationship with this church and with God light and shallow because there's no accountability. And some of you are watching online right now for many different reasons. Some of you are watching online because you are leaning in. You want to learn more about the church. You want to learn more about God, but you're not ready to take that step. But some of you are online because you're actually leaning away. You're actually one foot out. You were involved, you were committed, but now you're running from God and it's easier to do so when you're sitting on your couch with no accountability. You're running because you're an escape artist and we're all escape artists by nature. But the powerful message that the book of Jonah shows us and it's surprising and it's beautiful is that God doesn't run away from runaways. God doesn't run away from you. Some of you think that you have blown it too much, that you have failed too often and that God has nothing left for you. His grace has dried up. But what we see with Jonah is that God doesn't run away from runaways. He doesn't run from you. He doesn't give up on you. He sees you. He sees where you're escaping. He sees the other broken wells, the quote-unquote gods of your life that you're running to for satisfaction. He sees it, he knows it, and he doesn't run away. 
He doesn't regret saving you every time you stumble. He is constantly pursuing you like he does Jonah. So I want to close with these three questions for you to ponder as you go home. And that's, what are you running from? Really stew on that. What are you running from? Let this bother you. Let this be like a pebble in your shoe when you're walking. You keep stepping on it. You're like, oh, I hate this pebble. Let it bother you. What are you running from? Some of you already know, but I encourage you to do the hard work to answer this question. Pray about it. Ask God to reveal this to you. Where are you running from? And then ask him for strength to repent from it and turn from it and watch what God will do. The second question is, is what are you running to? Because when you're running from something, you're running to something. And what you're running to will always change if you don't deal with the issue, which is you. You will continue to run to different poisons and different wells constantly because they're no longer satisfying you. And the last question is, what are you accomplishing with all this running and escaping? Because if you're not running to God, the answer to that question is quite easy. It's nothing. Because escaping never solves the problem. Because no matter how far you run, you can't escape yourself. So ask yourself these questions this, this week. What am I running from? What am I running to? And what am I accomplishing? And remember, when you get the answers to those questions, that God doesn't run away from runaways. Amen? I'm going to call the worship team back up. And then at the end of the service, we are going to honor a wonderful family in our church. So worship team, if you can make your way back up. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a wonderful, graceful God. Lord, I thank you that you don't just turn a blind eye to our sin, but you saw our sin and sent your son to die and to appease our sin. And Father, now you fill us with your spirit to kill our sin. And Father, I pray that you give us the strength all here today to do the hard work of self-evaluation, to see where we're escaping, where we're running. And Father, that you would give us the strength to surrender that to you. And Father, that we wouldn't feel condemnation when we're doing this because Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we would approach you as our loving Heavenly Father who says, come boldly before me confidently before my throne and we would know that you are forgiving us we would approach you in the nature that you don't run from us but you like the father and the prodigal son you run to us and we thank you for that promise lord so god as we lift our voices in worship would we have this on our mind in jesus name amen